Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of the Pub People Podcast. I'm Gary. Proper Brian. I'm just Brian. Hey, I'm back. It's Chuck. Yeah. Hey, so how was your balloon trip? Uh, it was your hot air ballooning over South Argen- America? Yeah, Argentina. Yeah, Argentina, yeah, Argentina think, yeah, yeah, was, yeah. yeah. How how was that trip? That's what we heard. Uh, from what I understand, y'all said basket weaving contests. There was a lot there. of things there that was you a did. Lot. Well, you were a busy dude. I mean, uh, tell us. No, I was a little under the weather, so I didn't get to make it. Oh, that's um, way more boring. Come on now. Come on, man. I uh, mean, I was uh, over the weather in a balloon. Yo, yo, <laughs> fighting ninjas, <laughs> riding magical sharks. Okay. That just uh, sounds so much more amazing. Uh, I do have one thing to add to last podcast discussion. Which was? Yeah, the topic. Yeah. What was the uh, Keeping Up with the Joneses. Oh, yeah. um, oh that's so right. I that forgot. Good, yeah. That was like a month ago. That was a good yeah. episode. Yeah. So apparently y'all have coined the... The, the shuck rule or whatever as far as... Mm-hmm. The shuck method. <laughs> the, shuck the shuck method. method. <laughs> whatever it is. Um, well, one thing I wanted to add to that... It and changes it, from week to week. <laughs> <what the shuck laughs> method is. And in addition to the way that I, I, I purchase games, and, and y'all covered that pretty well, one other reason why I keep myself from buying a lot of games is that there's a point at which my brain cannot consume any more rule books. I buy a lot of medium to lightweight games strictly because I, I want to play most of them with my family. There are a few that I have for myself that are for you know, my gamer friends, but there is a point at which I just cannot have a big collection because I cannot remember the rule books and I hey. don't like having to keep up with the rule books and remembering every little rule. I'm getting to the point now where I'm making references for my bigger games just so I don't have to go back to the rule books. And so that's, that's another reason why I personally don't keep up with the Joneses because I just, I just, I just can't. It's too much. Hey, I I totally get that. You know, age grandpa. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I totally, I totally. uh, I'm glad. I'm glad we get your perspective on that. We're glad to have you back. Like whether it was underwater basket weaving or bull riding while riding a balloon, fighting a shark. I don't know. Whatever you did. You know, we're glad to have you back. And uh, yeah, so now that we have all four of us back, let's go ahead and and jump into this month's uh, episode, which is all about Kickstarter. All right, guys, welcome to the table uh, yet again. Uh, Let's go ahead and, as is our tradition, Let's talk about our brews here. Chuck, you brought something completely new, I think. Yeah, I got something shady over here. <laughs> uh, no, really, it's actually called Something Shady by the <laughs> Texas Ale Project. Uh, you got to love the Texas, um, Texas beers. Yeah, I got to love the Texas beers. This one uh, caught me off guard a little bit. It says uh, Sublime Roasted Malt, and it's definitely it definitely has a roasted malt flavor. It's good. It's not like the best porter I've ever had, but I like it. Yeah. But yeah, something shady. It's got some sort of spy girl on the side. Winking, I don't know what that's all about. She looks shady. She does look kind of shady. wearing shades, so therefore. (laughs) That's how it works. (laughs) Proper Brian, uh, you've got got something that you haven't had in a while, right? Yeah, it's one that I've been looking for for a while and finally found a place that had it. So I feel like I'm kind of going back to my uh, beer drinking roots with this one because it was one of my first ones that you guys introduced me to. And uh, it's the Founders Breakfast Stout. It's good. It's it says on the label it says a double chocolate coffee oatmeal stout. And that's a lot of words there, but it makes for a really really good, it's really delicious. good beer. Yeah. Early on, I was I was looking back. You know, we started podcasting in 2017, and I think that year almost every podcast we had a founders beer 
I would like, not be surprised. Like we, it was just one of us would always bring something Founders. It's it's a classic. I really now. wish someone from Founders would listen to this and sponsor us. Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, I, I would totally be cool. That would be cool. That'd be just yeah. be cool. If somebody from Founders was playing yeah. board games. No, there you go. I'm sure <laughs> someone does. I, before I got, I came here. I actually did try Founders uh, Centennial That's IPA. Right. Oh. Uh, it was pretty good. It was very floral. I mean, as far as IPAs go, it was pretty good. Hmm. Cool. What about you, just Ryan? Um, I have the we've had we had this at one of our game days uh, the uh, at a uh, le monde I guess okay. it's like the Le Fin du Monde from and it's from from Unibrew just like the Le Fin du Man, Monde. They, they can't make anything wrong, can they? Uh, uh, haven't I, had a bad beer yeah, by I've them. I've had three yet. of them so yeah, far. Canadian brewery. This is their saison ale, and uh, le monde. It's like the little brother to the Le Fin. It's not a triple, what? but it tastes a lot like a triple. It's just got a lower ABV, and it's got a anyway. I love that beer, but what I don't get is it's got the like Megadeth. I don't understand the Megadeth the skull like, picture. It I, makes I think no sense. Their, their heavier beers would go better with the whole Megadeth theme. Yeah, that's kind of a weird. But thing. But it's a tasty beer nonetheless. I've got another New Belgian beer, and it's uh, apparently a limited release here, but it's Oakspire Bourbon Barrel Ale. Uh, it's a collaboration with Knob Creek, and it's very tasty. I won't say it's the best bourbon barrel ale I've ever had. I'm going to try one before yeah, tonight's I, over. I hope you do. Um, I like your opinion on it, actually. But, I mean, it's it's incredibly tasty. I'm not going to put it at the top of any list. But mm-hmm. New Belgium does that well, yeah, though. But, they do yeah. good beers at a good price, and they and they get the flavors right. Yeah, so. they do. I mean, I'm not going to – look, it's this or 1554. I'm still going to go 1554. But mm. this is an incredibly good beer. Yeah. Um, highly recommend. I like it. bourbon barrel ales. Well, guys, let's do something a little different here. Um, I know, uh, proper Brian, you had actually suggested this that instead of just talking about games you're playing, let's let's give you let's give ourselves an option here. So, let's go around the table and either tell us about one game we've been playing, or we can talk about just something that we're into that's completely non-board gaming related, like maybe a movie you're looking forward to, or um, I don't know, you're 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 into you took over your grandfather's stamp collection. I mean. If you do that, keep that to yourself. But I mean, something like that, you know. So, I mean, I guess proper Brian, you want to? What have you been into lately? Yeah, if it's okay with you guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna do both. Actually, I'm gonna talk about a game and something else that uh, I really enjoy. So, first, the game, uh, and I'm really excited to talk about this one. This is one that uh, several of, of us around the table can can talk about now. And I finally got to play Twilight Struggle, and. It's one that's been sitting on my shelf for, I got it a while back and I, I just never got to play it. And finally, Gary came over for a, a little two player night and we, we got that one out. And you know, I, I've, I've played it twice now. The first time it felt kind of revolutionary. It felt like there, there was just a lot of stuff really clicking in that game yeah. for me. The second time it didn't feel quite as good, but I'm really curious to see where we go with that game. So it's a, a card-driven game mm-hmm. uh, uh, based on the, and I'm sure most of you are familiar with it, but it's based on the Cold War, U.S. and Russia uh, squaring off against each other, trying to influence different nations around the world. Probably my favorite thing about it is the, the uh, in a lot of games you get the kind of the dual-use cards, you know, it's like you can use a card for this or this, which provides some really good decision tension. But in this game, you get that you can use it for this or this, but you also get this third dimension of, well, if I play this card, my opponent might get something out of it too. And That was really devious. Right. And so not only are you having to decide when you play a card what you're going to get out of it or how you want to use that card, 
but you might be handing your opponent something. So you have to really think hard about, you know, the cards you play and, and how that ends up affecting your game. It's really it, really neat system. I think for me that interplay between um, not only using the cards and like if I if I use a card for the points, but if it's got your event on there, the other the opponent's event, they get that event. But even like say I'm playing a card that's my event, I can play it either as an event or for for the um, operation operation points. Mm -hmm. Well, what was interesting is early on I was always going for the event because the event gives you a really great bonus. Like say say the card's only worth two operation points. The event gives you three influence somewhere. So you think, oh, this is better, but it's also directed and it's very specific. And, if that, and I got to realizing like too late in the game, if, and I really thought about this a lot after the game, because this is the kind of game that I thought about for days after. If that fit my overall strategy, that was a great thing to do. But I think there's also times where it's probably better the majority of the time to play those cards for operation points and mm -hmm. kind of have and save some you know, of those yeah. events for yeah and some of those events are really great but because also if you play them as an event they're out of the game right some of them yeah some of them so some of them i think through i think i was skewing towards playing the events too much but yeah the interplay and and there's that's a game where there's a lot of um like le levers and knobs and, and a lot, you, of, you, a lot you, of interconnected cards exactly yeah, you, yeah you, you you turn one thing and another thing across the board happens to turn too. Yeah. And you may not have planned for that, um, especially on your first play. We didn't even get through the whole game. And mm. I'm still actually really um, wanting to finish the game. I, I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. It was super fun. Yeah. So real quick, the other thing I want to mention is for you coffee drinkers out there who want to make a like a single cup of coffee but don't want to use a Keurig or something like that, like a machine. Is this the thing you're into? Yes. Okay. So this is something I've used now for years, and I use it every day. I make coffee with it every day at work. It's it's called an AeroPress, and you guys have seen me use it here before. So it's basically like a, the way I describe it as kind of a syringe for coffee. It's like you put the coffee in there with water, stir it up, and then you push it through uh, using this, you know, big, it looks like a syringe, but... Do they um, have a needle attachment so you can get... No, no. <laughs> instant um, coffee in your veins. No. That'd be nice though, right? Um, anyway, the other great thing about this is it's really portable. It's super easy to clean. Like, it, there's no cleanup when you're done, basically. Like, a, like if you've ever used a French press, the cleaning of those is, is kind of a pain. And uh, these things are only like 20, 20 bucks on Amazon or something like that, so... Anyway, coffee yeah. drinkers, if you're looking for a single cup brewer that uh, makes good coffee, that it, and it's uh, it's called the AeroPress. Oh, Shuck, what have you been up to, man? What have I been up to? Uh, lots of work. It's my life. Oh, man. Family. Uh, I guess something I'm looking forward to, we're taking a trip to New Mexico this weekend. So I'm oh, that would be cool. Maybe I can get a couple games in. And what I'm really hoping for is to maybe possibly get to see Captain Marvel that's coming out tomorrow because I'm a big... Yeah, tomorrow as of this recording. So as of the recording. We've, yes. are, we've all already seen it by the time you've heard the podcast. We've already Hopefully all seen, already it already seen it already, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. But it I comes wish. out, as, as of recording, it comes out tomorrow. So. Uh, actually, probably tonight. The showing's tonight. Yeah. yeah, the showing is tonight at midnight. Yeah. It's a Thursday night right now. Man, I haven't done one of those since college. <laughs> one of the premiere night showings. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, we could technically just say we podcasted late and I'll go see it tonight. I there mean, go. there you go. You know what? I think we should just wrap this up. And yeah. All right. <laughs> this was a good. Hey, great episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> see you next time. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big Marvel nerd. I, 
it's exciting because it's you know the first female main role in the the Marvel series, and it's going to have a lot of play, I think, in the end game. Avengers that's coming out here oh, yeah, pretty and soon. It, so. And it also takes place in the 90s. Yes, it's, so it's going like cool. back. It's like the best decade. <laughs> what, what the I'm, best decade what ever. What I'm actually really excited about is we're going to be seeing the Kroll now, and that can completely change everything we know about the entire yeah, Marvel it, Universe. I mean, people that we thought were playing for the good side could completely be on the opposite just because of the way that the Kroll interact. Are the Kroll bad, though? They shapeshift, and they're bad guys. Are it's you sure like they're the, bad guys? It's the they're generally not good. It's the opposite of the Kree. I mean, they're. I mean, the, it's like. Are you sure the Kree are the good guys? Well, yeah, that's a great that's question. Debatable too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not. I'm hey. not like super Marvel. I didn't read the comics, but I, I've, I YouTube. Like, I'm like, who's that? And I YouTube enough where I, I'm kind of savvy it's, on so, this. So I'm kind of not sure. So the thing who's is, is, is any one race really all good or all bad? That's true. The, that's the real question. That's very so. true. Right. Yeah. But anyway, I'm super excited about it. I, I, I like the MCU, and that's that's what got me loving Marvel. Gives Shuck and I've always been kind of. Um, on opposite sides with the Marvel DC thing. And then once the cinematic universes came out, like there's no argument. Like Marvel is the better cinematic well, universe. You know, I mean, a- outside um, of the, the newer Netflix Marvel shows, which have been canceled, and the, I guess the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I mean, really the DC has the TV realm. They make the good quality TV shows. Yeah. And Marvel is a little better at making the movies. So, I mean, that's... Hmm. If you want to go look at it, that a way. little, a lot, a lot of bit. Yeah. yeah. A lot of bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what have you been up to, just Brian? Oh man, I've got some good gaming in lately. Uh, this last week, wife's been gone, so I got to play Dinosaur Island with our good friends Ned and Ooh. Reed, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, good, good little worker placement game. Got a lot of nostalgia to a popular IP from the '90s, right? Did you like, play? Can the, we say it? Did you play the song in the can background? We? No, we didn't play any of. Uh, it's such a missed opportunity. It, yeah. <laughs> That's that's true. That's true. It's got a nice little retro-looking theme to it. Got a little bit of drafting-style worker placement. It's got a little bit of solo worker placement, and it's got a little bit of engine that you can build into it as well. So um, I've played fairly poorly. Yeah, I really want to try this one. Yeah, I didn't play well, but I also played against two veterans yeah. that that knew the game really, really well. So that was good. That was good. Yeah. I've uh, I guess the game I played the most of recently was a game that. Uh, Proper Brian introduced me to on on a game day, and my family has really enjoyed Quinto. Now, I mean, I've played a few other games. I played like uh, I can never say Teo T. Teo, we just call yeah Teo Teo Tituquan or whatever. Uh, I probably butchered that, and I played a few other games. Uh, I'm trying to think, Isle of Sky, a couple some some really great games lately. But <laughs> we got the um, expansion Isle of Sky out. You and I, I actually did. really liked it. It's two player. It was the Journeyman expansion. The Journeyman though. expansion for Isle of Sky was was quite good. But uh, my kids really got into Quinto, and for me it was special because my 14-year-old daughter that kind of was out of gaming, didn't really want to game with dad very much, asked for it specifically several nights in a row. So I think I've got like 11 plays recently. Uh, yeah, uh, it's a fun little dice game. I think we talked about it last time. Yeah, we, so I don't <clears throat> want to spend too much time on it, but you, you're basically just rolling it's, rolling numbers and trying to kind of so it's guess. A, yeah, it's like, a roll and write game similar to like a Yahtzee, but uh, with a lot more interesting decisions in it than, exactly. than a Yahtzee. Like so. where you place that number on your little row could affect you later. You yeah. might not be able to place numbers later and therefore go out of the game. And everyone else's role can impact you. Yeah. So you, you, you're paying attention constantly. The other interesting thing is uh, I've got a few sessions of the Kids on Bikes RPG game with my two older kids. My 14-year-old daughter and my 13-year-old son, 
and they've actually really liked it. And I feel bad they've been asking to play it lately, and because of school night, the school night routine, and just the homework routine we have, a lot of times we're doing homework right until bedtime, and so I've kind of just had to promise them like we will find as much time as we can really soon. So the fact that they are asking for it is really great. But uh, Kids on Bikes is kind of like a very rules light RPG. It's it's based it's collaborative storytelling. So the first session we did was just us all coming up with our world. I think it, I had teenagers making this up with me. So I think our city was called Tumbleweed, Arizona. You know, it's out in the desert, and they came up with you know the the main industry of the town and this and that. And I don't want to get too deep into it, but essentially you create the character of the town, and you create a couple characters, and and then you just kind of collaboratively tell a story and so it's been fun it's a lot of work on dad trying to tell a story that interests these kids this old because when they were like six I could tell them any story I wanted and they thought it was amazing now it's like they're telling me like dad I want to be the the GM next time because your story was like okay but I I could fix it and I was like well I mean okay yeah your story's lame yeah well I was like hey if you want to be the GM like I'll, I'll give you like a rules primer it's a very rules light game yeah so I've I've actually started delving into that world, and and I, we, I could talk more about that maybe in another another podcast. I think I'm going to start getting into some more RPGs with my kids. Kickstarter. We're going to talk a little bit about Kickstarter. So, um, guys, I mean, I know obviously Kickstarter is huge in, in the board game world, right? I mean, everyone seems like everyone's at least backed one Kickstarter. I know we've all backed multiple. Kickstarter, but it seems like you talk to any serious board gamer, they're at least backing stuff or aware of games that are on Kickstarter. Board games on Kickstarter is a bigger thing than video games on Kickstarter. I oh, think totally. that's, that's a really interesting thing uh, to to mention. So the obviously the video game industry is a lot bigger than the board game industry, but on this crowdfunding platform, board games. They're are the thing that are the things that are, that are that are bigger. Some but of them raising millions of dollars. The big companies are using it. The little guys using it, and it's a. I think personally, it's a good tool for for both ends. So let's go around the table and just briefly. Uh, you want to just tell us, everyone, what was your first Kickstarter game? Do you do you guys have that? Do you know what your first Kickstarter game oh, was? Yeah, Chuck, what was yours? Uh, back in 2013, right after I discovered Kickstarter, Council of Verona. That was uh, what caught my eye, mostly because of the theme, the Romeo and Juliet. I'm a big Shakespeare fan. I I read a lot of Shakespeare back in high school, and it's just a it's a neat little bluffing game. It's I played it over Christmas. It's still in my collection. I still like it. I've bought an expansion for it since then. Yeah. So I mean, so you still have, you still play it. You still like it. So it's it was a good purchase. Though, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, actually, I backed Council of Verona also. Well, what was your first game? My my first one was nothing personal. I had discovered Kickstarter. It was I saw a a Kickstarter for someone who was trying to fund buying an island. Okay, <laughs> and I was like, Sorry. I know. So that that's that was that was when I discovered Kickstarter, and then I found the game section of Kickstarter. After that, I was listening to the Dice Tower podcast uh, regularly at that point in time, and I remember thinking, oh, wow, a guy I know about, Tom Vassell, had, had designed a game and was going to, you know, uh, kickstart it. And I was like, oh, cool. So I, I, I thought I'd, I'd checked it out and it looked cool. I think I was more hyped about it than I really knew about it. So, But I yeah. backed it thinking, hey, this is cool. This is fun. Yeah. And so that was my first board game Kickstarter that, that I backed. Do you still have that game? 
I don't. I've since okay. pulled it from You've my collection. It from collection. What about you, just Brian? What was your your first Kickstarter game? Uh, what was the your first, first one that I backed. Game? So I was I've, I've always I was probably a little bit later coming to Kickstarter. I was apprehensive about the medium. I didn't know how I felt about it at the time. But then when uh, Zaya came along, I I That's couldn't right. resist. That's the one that actually broke me into purchasing my first Kickstarter. So I was already looking at other games. Shuck and I were already talking about a lot of games on Kickstarter, but that was the one where I said, okay, I can't not get this. At the time, I wasn't even sure if it would be available retail because it yeah. was just this guy who'd never published before. Yeah, you weren't sure. And so this is like, hey, if I'm going to get it, I know I can get it now. And uh, that was the first Kickstarter. Once you get started, it's hard to stop. Oh, yeah. You well, know? <laughs> yeah. Well, but that was the one that kind of broke the floodgates. And that one was special because that's how you met proper brian i did yeah he was, he was um, introduced to our group through that kickstarter correct that's right so yeah. so um i went on there i it was i was working one day where i wasn't working and uh, the thing about the zai kickstarter that was kind. really special was everybody on that first that first uh kickstart for zai the very very first one i mean the thing went long it went way past the deadline but he did such a good job communicating and the community yeah. in the comment yeah. section was very positive the whole Real time positive. it was very rare and, and a lot of it's because of cody miller a lot yeah, of it's because he did a great of great job managing. how he talked to people and how he showed people respect and how he just was transparent with his updates and he was consistent with his updates and he would answer everybody he possibly could i mean you couldn't ask for more from one person up in oregon right and um, I, he's one of those kind of guys uh, we were visiting Oregon uh, around that time where my wife's from and he, I, I didn't reach out to him we were about an hour away and I knew I couldn't but I felt like if I had the time to go visit I could have sent him a message and he probably would have said sure come by and let's play some games because that's the that's kind of the feel you got from him on the comment yeah. section and, and from running the, the whole thing he seemed like a very personable approachable guy so hopefully one day maybe I'll get to game with Cody that'd be kind of cool but um that being said, I was on there and I was like, "Hey, has anybody else from Abilene backed this game? Because because that would be cool. It's my first Kickstarter, and I saw Mr. Proper Brian on there, and I sent him a Facebook message, and I said, "Hey, I'm Facebook creepy stalking you, but you're from Abilene, and I think our wives already knew each other mm -hmm. through church and yep. stuff, and so I was like." Why don't we? Why don't we be friends? And you're like, oh, <laughs> uh, would I don't you know. like to play? Yeah. <laughs> Come over to my house and play. That's pretty much what it was. But but Proper Brian's always been really gracious and and didn't one too creeped well, out well, by that's my cool. invitation. That's cool. I, I think that's neat to include that little bit of public publicity <laughs> there, because because if you hadn't done that or reached out to him, yeah, we I, then, I, I then we was, wouldn't have we wouldn't have him here. I thought it was super cool. I was super excited to to like connect with someone else you know, over a game like that. Yeah. I, I remember I, I got your message. I was out for a walk with uh, my wife and my kids were in stroller and we were walking around and I got the message and I, I was kind of looking, I was like, huh, that's, that's cool. And I, so I just kind of, that's right. I yeah. am cool. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Was, that's what you said. Yeah. yeah. Very, He's just dweeb. Very, very fortuitous, uh, no, um, it worked out. I mean, every, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, I mean, and then the rest is just history. And then like, there were four. We started you know? inviting Brian to, like, uh, film and do some different things with us. And you guys, if you've ever followed our YouTube channel, you kind of got to see him kind of come in. And then I yeah. think I think hiring Brian and, and not paying him is the best thing we've ever done. Totally. Playing some bottles together. That's right. That's right. Bringing Brian in was great. Um, well, yeah, so, so for me uh, – it's not nearly as cool, uh, but Shuck actually had told me about this game called The Agents, 
And then I guess there was a second Kickstarter of it. The Agent's Return, I believe, is the name of the uh, Kickstarter. Mark II. Yeah, the Agent's Mark II. Or so. But anyways, it was a card game. I still have the game. I don't play it a lot, but I do like the game. The art on it is phenomenal, if nothing else. And so he got me interested, and I started looking at Kickstarter. And so for me, for the longest time, I was backing games on there, but it was like mainly smaller card games. I didn't, you know, I was... The good thing about that is there's a lot of those games on there, and there's you know you're not risking as much. Oh, ten dollars, fifteen dollars. I felt safer doing that. Now and then, of course, later on, you know, now there's some huge, massive, expensive games on there. So the Agents was the second game that I backed about a month after Council of Verona. Mm-hmm. So, and that that one's what really probably pulled me in because that that was the big community and and, and you know the. The Council of Verona was pretty simple. There wasn't yeah. very uh, a whole lot of communication. It was, There's a it lot was of excitement simple. over the agents. But yeah, the, the agents, agents was cool. The agents was cool. I think, honestly, the agents may have been one of the first Kickstarter previews I saw on YouTube. Mm. And I don't remember if I saw it before Council of Verona or not. I don't. It may have been around the same time. I can't remember. You brought the print and play over to my house, and we that first we tried night. it out, and I was and like, I think yes, that's when I first played it. Player. I think I played it with you, and then I backed it after. We did that. like a two player I... print and play before yeah. we actually had our physical and copies. That that was yeah, that was the first time I did a print and play, and I was like, I am I am getting this game, and yeah. I still love the game, and it's a game that I don't play very often, but I I have everything for it, uh, and it's it's a fun game. It's a very fun oh. game. I need I, to get you, it out. Yeah, you you talk about the two double. player, three player, like uh, when we did our five player. No game night. No, no. two that, to three. That was that was a little tedious, but I think the two to three two's great, which is cool because you get like this this two player a good two player back and forth, uh, really tight. And what's cool about three player is, is, is think about if if you haven't seen this game, <laughs> but you know of a game like between. Two cities where mm-hmm. uh, you actually kind of share a row with a guy to your right and the gal to your left, right? So if you're playing a three-player game, the two people beside you are playing with you, but then they have a third thing that's not that yeah. they're playing together. There's cards being played that don't affect you at all, right? But well, they do in a way. There's that one. There's there's a couple agents that can, but the, the idea is when you have that kind of triangle going on, kind of a game love triangle happening there you you get a different kind of interplay different kind of interaction that you you don't get when you get five people but you're only playing with the person i would love right. to make brian and chuck fight in a game and then i just prosper on the other side of we that need to game. play this again but uh you know we were talking earlier about the like double use cards this one uh he he called them double edge cards and it based on the way that you face the card between you and the person next to you that you're playing against you know, you give them a benefit or you give you a benefit, but I mean, both people are getting things and you have to decide. That's the great thing about the game is that like the decision between what you get and what you give is, I mean, it's every single card that you play and it's great. I love it. It's, it's cool. That's a game that, that you've kept. I've kept it as well. And speaking of games we've kept, I think we all kind of figured, did we all figure out like a percentage or yes, roughly? Yes, yeah. So, okay, let's go yep. around the table. We want to start proper round. Like what percentage of games you've backed have you actually kept? Let's talk about that. So I've kept exactly 50% of the games wow. I've backed. So I've called the rest. And I feel like... Is there a theme to like what you've kept? Is, or is it just games you like, games you don't like? But I mean, is there some kind of trend to what you kickstarted but then later decide to like chunk so most of my kickstarter activity happened early on so i backed nothing personal in 2012 and in 2012 and 2013 were the two years that i backed the most stuff 
I think I was just backing stuff because it was fun, you yeah. know, not necessarily because, or and because obviously I thought something was interesting about the game, but I wasn't looking terribly deep into the game itself when I backed it. And so almost all of those early ones that I did, uh, the only one that's left out of those is Zaya. That's the only one that's still in my collection. All the other ones have since kind of kind of moved on. But all the later ones that I, that I did, I've kept. So I think it's just that I was backing games because it was fun to back the game. Not necessarily because I thought it was a good game, but because That's a good point. it was just fun. Well, yeah, you can you can really get caught up yeah. right. in the and Kickstarter the, and the I, stretch I, goal I, I totally and, did that. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was just fun to like find a game like, oh, that looks neat, and jump in on it and, I, and back it and then get excited about it and wait for it. And so yeah. that, I think that's the theme of mine is... The earlier ones, I just wasn't paying as close attention to the, so, the quality. So it's, yeah, what's your percentage? Show? Well, it, it's funny that he says 2012 and 13 were your most active because my most active were 14 and 15. Two-thirds of the Kickstarter games that I bought were during that time, and I've really backed off since then. But, uh, I mean, I, I bought lots of... Uh, lots of little games, really. I, I think buy a bought, lot of We figured games. out you, you bought the most of all Yes, of them, right? I have bought the most, but a lot of the ones that I, I backed were very small games. I didn't yeah. back a whole lot of big games. I, I, I don't even remember the number, but as, as far as games that I've kept, about 90%, surprisingly. That's, that's remarkable. I, I don't know if it's the the investment or like you, you talk about getting involved with the community and the, the whole backing experience. And like I just have a hard time getting rid of them. Sometimes it's an extra sentimental factor, right? I don't I don't know if that's it or if it's a lot of the ones that I backed are, are ones that were kind of a one time thing. You you can't find them anymore. That may have a lot more to do with it. That it's just a game that I know that I can't find. But at the same time, I like a lot of the games that I back. I'm very specific about what I back. I might have been a little bit more loose with my rules back then, but I, I just. I don't know. I like the games that I have. I, I think uh, you're you're pretty discerning in what you buy, anyway. So I'm, I think of the four of us, you, you may you may be the most. Um, although I don't know, proper Brian might. Uh, well, might I was going to ask proper Brian on on his fifty percent in, in the trend of keeping your newer ones over your older ones. Um, but you you kind of already answered it. But I but before you answered it, I was going to ask if uh, you think that that discernment has developed and that's why you back less or because because that's definitely why we purchase less now in general i think all of us can say we purchase less than we used to because we have more discernment than we did early on when we were newer hobbyists and we were trying to figure out what we liked and what we didn't like does that play into it or is it just kind of as you said you were just you know really really excited about it then and and now you're my collection isn't that big anyway i mean it's it's but you were saying that you were just kind of backing everything back then. I was now, backing anything that I got like the the littlest bit of exci- excitement yeah. about. I was like, now, oh, that looks neat. Now you're that a little more neat. reserved. You, oh, you look I'm at it way, more, way, way, a little way, way, more uh, discerning eye, a little more mature eye. Like, oh, oh, I'm, you're looking at mechanics more, right? And, well, and the other part about that, so I don't want this to sound like uh, there's something necessarily wrong with Kickstarter. It's not that, that I've gotten smart and all of Kickstarter is just trash. It's not That's not what it is. It's just I'm way, way, way more picky about what I'm buying now in general just because yeah. my collection's at, at the size that it needs to be, yeah. you know? And I don't need to be adding a bunch of games to it. And the game has to be better to earn a spot in your collection at this point, essentially, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so it, The bar has been raised. Yep. Well, I, I remember during that time where I bought all those games, I was I was on Kickstarter every day. 
Oh, looking, yeah. Looking yeah. through yeah. the new games, scrolling through mm-hmm. them. And see, that's something like, Ooh, that did. one's pretty. That's something you did that I never did, Chuck. He was telling me he was doing this every day, and so I would try every it. Every day. I would try it. I would try to go on Kickstarter and browse the way you guys were saying you were browsing. It wasn't as fun shopping for me. I never figured out how y'all y'all were doing that. I'd rather go watch like somebody's video that said these are the upcoming Kickstarter yeah, I, games. I think nowadays you can, if you pay attention to uh, certain uh, media, board game media outlets or websites, or I got, I can or recommend even, even like publishers. Um, Tantrum House yeah. does a fantastic like bi monthly video on YouTube about what's coming out on Kickstarter. So, so what would you say? How many how many games have you kept, just Brian? I've kept seventy five percent. Wow, it came out right. High. It came out at a pretty even seventy five percent. But I also probably don't have it kickstarted a lot. I look at it more like I purchase games, and that's probably I, I didn't do the numbers, but that's probably pretty close to what I keep in general. What I've kept in general yeah. of my collection, I probably cold twenty five percent of a collection that I've had Kickstarter and retail, and and so that that kind of falls in so line. So it falls in line with, with your general my, buying. My habits. buying habits are have always kind okay. of been the same. They've been yeah. impulsive when they've been impulsive. They haven't when I've when I'm don't have I'm, money. I'm sitting right at having kept fifty nine percent of my Kickstarter games. I am. Um, well, there's a couple. There's one I I probably shouldn't even count it in there. I think I think I'm gonna go home and burn it. Um, it, it <laughs> Which one just, is that? It was called a chaotic life. And it was one of those back when I was back in like like you were talking about. I was like, oh, this game's cool. It's ten bucks. You know, when I first got on Kickstarter. Yeah, th- those were the worst. It was yeah. like, oh, that game's only twelve dollars. So it, it was kind of like I backed that. one. I yeah. backed one that was like five. So <laughs> see, like I would I would walk into the, our local gathering, the the our local game store called the Gathering Place, and I would pick up a ten dollar game, right? Like I wouldn't think that hard about picking up a little ten dollar card game that I might play with my family. So I treated Kickstarter much like that. I'd go $10, $15 game, one or two a month, you know, no big deal. And then so that's where a lot of my games were kind of like you earlier on. And then I do think I started treating Kickstarter more like I do other buying uh, buying so- sources for games. And so I started getting a little bit more discerning with that. Can I real quick um, sabotage your... Yeah, your, no, no problem. What's the last game you Kickstarted? Ooh. Oh, man. I know that's not on your list. Well, so, uh, last game I kickstarted was uh, Escape Plan by Vitala Serta and uh, Eagle Griffin Games. We're talking about games that are probably oh. not fulfilled because we're still yeah, kickstarting it's not fulfilled, games. <laughs> and it's supposed to come here next in April. So uh, I'm really excited about. I'm really excited there's, about. There's Escape only Plan too. one game that's not fulfilled on mine currently, and that's it doesn't even count because I didn't back the game. I just got it for the, the I little this bonus was so accessories. Cool. <laughs> this was but so cool. Anyway, the last game that I backed was the uh, Five Minute Dungeon expansion. Which okay. I've already got. I okay. haven't played it yet, but I, I plan to take it this weekend. So oh, I hope you get that played. What about you, Robert? My last one was Fireball Island. Oh, Ooh. and you and your boys have loved it, right? Yeah, we've been playing that one a lot, so it was well worth the investment. Uh, okay, just Brian. Yeah, so you asked the question. Yeah, you got to answer it. What, what is you the last thing I backed? I think it. I think the last thing I backed was the Eclipse Second Edition. That oh, that's gonna be a good one. Uh, it's been delayed, right? Well, I mean, but all, come aren't on. they all? They said March, and we all knew it wasn't gonna be March <laughs> when we clicked on it. So, well, I guess so. Kind of in, in kind of in line with with that in little ways is, um, like, what is what would you say? Just you guys thinking about our purchases, what would you say is your best Kickstarter purchase? Like, does does it have you guys kind of narrowed it oh, down man. to one or maybe two that that would you say is your best purchase? I had a hard time with this because uh, there were a few back to back in my rankings for that matter. Well, well give us uh, your top two if uh, that's the case. So one was when we were doing previews, uh, the, the Guardians Explorer to me is like Such a, a diamond in the rough. 
I mean, you call best purchase. I mean, that's that's just one that you're not going to find pretty much anywhere. I think it maybe it went to distribution, but I don't know how many copies there were. But I mean, like right after that in my rankings is Penny Press. Okay. I, I mean, both so, the, oh, that's a Kickstarter. They're both. I mean, oh, and, and you can't get Penny Press anywhere. That's one that you're not going to find. So you can't get it anywhere else. I mean, unless you trade for it or find it on like yeah, some sort so of So you're not going to go find it in your game store. Uh, no. no. And they're having they're supposed to be having a Kickstarter come up here pretty soon. Uh, I'm counting on you to back that expansion. You can <laughs> play Penny Press though. So let's not let's not We get, oh, we can you now. You can play Penny Press can on now. Board Game Arena. This oh, is that's you right. do it online. We have not Oh, we did it. We did it we online did it, yeah. one, one day. So it's so good implementation. You I should will, you, sh- you should at least check it out on Board Game Arena for free before you yeah. like track it down. I will say that it's not nearly as satisfying. Uh, something about moving the bits and actually doing the Tetris thing. That's probably true for most online. Is not nearly as as fun on the online yeah. venue. And it's it's super fast online because it does all the calculating and stuff for you. Which is good most of the time, but not always. I, it, I got a little lost in that game because I like doing too the calculations. Fast. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, proper Brian, how about you? What, what what would you say is your top one or two if you need to Kickstarter purchase? So I think my top one is going to be Scythe. It's it was to me kind of the high point of my Kickstarter backing, and did uh, it ruin you on other Kickstarters? It kind of did. Like it's such a good <laughs> like, experience, and yeah, now you, it was, it was a cool campaign. It's kind of like when the last uh, when Return of the King came out, or the last Harry Potter movie, and then it's just over. And it's like there'll never be another yeah. thing like that. So it's kind of like that. Uh, the other thing about that one that kind of uh, ruined me on Kickstarter a little bit was the comment section of that one. Oh, like so during toxic. The campaign. That was and a pretty toxic. It was. It was. It was just. That's what pushed yep. Jamie out of Kickstarter. It kind of pushed me out of Kickstarter too, because I didn't really back anything after that until Fireball Island. So I mean, like that. That was what several years wow. later. So. Talking about talking about like a good metric for a publisher to use Kickstarter as a tool uh, to to know how many production copies to make and that kind of thing, and to now you know Stonemaier Games is probably going to have to resource a different way to do it for wingspan that's coming out you know it's not going to go to kickstarter yeah yep. so the, they didn't do um, well, they didn't do the wingspan already came out and then they yeah, didn't the, do it so the the wingspan i mean he talked a lot about uh, he, he posted a, a big article about how he underestimated but then he he couldn't he really couldn't have estimated more than that because if, it, if it is a small publisher if it didn't hit then you would have wasted all these games yeah. then, so they're trying to but i mean that's something that kickstarter can kind of inherently take care of yeah. Um, yeah but at the same time i don't know he's got a lot of reasonings as to why he doesn't like Kickstarter. I mean, we're talking about the guy who wrote the book on kickstart board gaming now it's kind of sad to see that 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 the community the kickstart community which i've seen it in other kickstarters as well in the comment section wow that's why i mentioned cody miller's was so fantastic yep and that was my first experience that i whenever i saw that toxic behavior in other campaigns it was like, oh yeah, I forgot. This is the internet, and so, people are yeah, just so I don't jerks. Know. We can't have good things. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if that's my perception of it, but like, so I I remember the Zaya campaign and being like, man, this is a great community. It was, and then the Scythe campaign, which the so and Jamie communicated just right. as well as Cody Miller. Yes, <laughs> but the people in that were just. He fulfilled mm-hmm. it early. For the darkest he fulfilled it early, and he said, internet. "Hey guys, we're we're months early. You're going to get your copy before the deadline." If I remember this history lesson right, but the fact that uh, that he said that if he hadn't said anything, people would have been probably you know, been here's, happy. Here's but a he little bit that, of the, now nobody was happy. Here's a little difference between the two. I think Zaya, no one really expected. 
Scythe was huge hype. Yeah, Remember, we even point. said that in the preview. Machine was well how, before that. How much we we were surprised at how good the game was, in in addition to the hype. Uh, yeah. There, that I mean, that to me says that's the community a, that's, that's, that's really going to come insight. out. That's a really good insight, Chuck. I, I wonder if it's Zaya was back in 2013 and Scythe was 2015. Mm. I'm wondering about the way the community changed between then, also, True. like because Kickstarter was still fairly new for board games, and when when Zaya came out, it was still kind of taking off, and so I don't think the expectation was there. But then you have these two years in between, and all of a sudden you have this expectation from people. A sense and of entitlement, up, right? And you end up with the 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 comment the the thing that was the comment section and the and the and the people with it. I'm some, paying some of the thirty dollars. I want recessed player boards and this and that, dual lever player boards. I think and, a lot you know, of it was on the, all wooden pieces. You I, know, Thirty actually, bucks. What it what it really was, what it really came down to, Scythe, if I remember right, was just what I said. It was, hey, this game's coming to you early. Um, it's already been shipped from China, and then suddenly people's impatience level just went out the roof. And it became a task so, for no. No, this is just I, I, I just didn't I don't even pay Jamie, attention to any I don't, of that. I don't know Jamie personally. I didn't talk to him about this. This is just my memory of the development watching it. So let me let uh, me let me throw out something real quick. I did some calculations on like uh, how long things took to fulfill. So Scythe took 246 days to fulfill. Okay, and the average time for a game to fulfill was let's see what was it 242. And Scythe is one of the bigger games that I've gotten off so Kickstarter, I, right? After you posted and, this, I got curious too. I did mine. My average was 200 and I had so, a lot more smaller games. So, yeah. but Zaya took 474 days. Ooh. Okay. And you look at the difference between yeah. the responses to those two campaigns. Yeah. And, pretty, pretty stark difference. Huh? And I mean, granted, I mean, Cody Miller did a fantastic job managing that and managing, you know, kind of the, I don't know, the, the mood of the of, of the the people but that's, jamie didn't do any worse job how, like, how long was zaya's zaya was 474 yeah, it was over a year i thought i thought you said that was scythe no scythe was 200 and okay okay I'm, 246 so, so prop uh just well, brian i think i know what your answer is gonna be what is your favorite kickstarter your best kickstarter i've got purchase? yeah i've got in terms of value dollar for dollar value it would have been Scythe because the the way we got that with the with the deluxe edition and whatever uh, was better was a better purchase on Kickstarter than if you went later at retail and then bought all those deluxe things. But in terms of kind of what we've been talking about, the experience and the continued experience would be Zaya. Not just the first campaign, but we're talking about now it's 2019, 2018. He did the third Zaya campaign, and it was still a positive community. We had a couple mm. of people it's go on there and a say, lot of we had a couple of people go on there and say, they, uh, you know, I don't understand why this is taking so long. It's just a bunch of cards for the third one. And his response was, well, it's not just a bunch of cards. We're reprinting the base game for people who haven't had it yet. And then there was no, it was just no more complaining after that. He has somehow maintained that positive community in all three of his kickstarts. And that was in 2018. Like you said, Gary, maybe it's just a rollover. Maybe... Maybe he just has that that personality that everybody likes to get. So That's good. That's I, good. I did look at the the numbers for that too. The the missions and powers, just the cards, was mm -hmm. three hundred and thirty two days. Yeah. And the, I was looking through all of mine, and there was a game that I backed, just cards, very similar. Uh, obviously, it wasn't the same type of. You know, he had some issues with the the backing colors and things like that because you want to match it to the old game. Mm -hmm. But I had a game with just cards that that shipped in a week. 
Yeah. So. I mean, so that's a big difference. Te- technically, <laughs> though, just in, <laughs> I know, I know. In Zai's I mean, defense, he's not just doing cards. He I, actually did a full production again. I get that, yeah. but 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 the still. fact, that, but most of us were just getting the yeah. cards. Yes. And but again, just in terms of like community and experience, Kickstarter experience, ongoing experience. If he did another Kickstarter for Zaya, I mean, I got all the Zaya I need in life. I don't really play it that often. I'll probably back it. Just yeah. because I enjoy backing, so I enjoy backing his so, games. So here's an interesting. Y'all talk about Scythe and Zaya. Uh, I did not back either one of the base games, but as far as Zaya goes, I have backed all of the expansions on on Kickstarter and bought most of the expansions for Scythe on the aftermarket because he doesn't do Kickstarter anymore. But I think what you said earlier though about Scythe with the mount that you saved, mm-hmm. uh, trying to catch up to that after doing it after the Kickstarter has been intimidating in the fact that like I want the stuff but I don't want to pay for it. Yeah. Now the opposite is true for most cool mini or not games. Like yes. you will most likely get a better value if you wait for retail. Well for but a what lot you of won't games, get actually, is all the exclusives. Yeah. And that's the thing that that's the uh, just kind of transitioning into what I don't like about Kickstarter is the exclusivity the you have to purchase it now. If you don't purchase it now you're going to miss out. I like the way Stonemaier Games has done it where if you don't purchase now, it's fine. You can get it later, mm-hmm. maybe a higher cost. Well, well and, and well, for the most part, I think that is the case with the, the bigger, a lot of the bigger companies and, and the bigger games that you probably do want to kickstart. It, you can find it on the aftermarket, and a lot of times you can find it cheaper. Yeah. Which is why I actually kickstart less now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm, I'll just be, I got plenty of games to, to go through. So. Well, you mentioned something about missing out. That's one of the big things. You jump on a Kickstarter because you're afraid. Like Chuck even mentioned, you know, sometimes there's a game I'm not even sure it's going to be available in retail. And if it is, I don't know what it's going to be priced or how easily easy it will be able to get. So have there been, I guess let's move on to some campaigns. Well, what, uh, what was your favorite game? Oh, uh, if I had to say, you know, it, it's been kind of tough because honestly I have more games to talk about I missed out on that, I, that were on Kickstarter. and I didn't get them for whatever reasons. I'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, but if I had to say the best game I've got, I was looking at it more of not from the aspect of the campaign, but just the aspect of the best game. Uh, there was a reprint of Keyflower done on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I I don't really, I don't talk about that game as much, but I've really enjoyed it. And I, it's, it's a game of, I'm, every time I look at it, I think I need to play it with you guys. So I will, uh, maybe for this year, I'll you fix do. that. I, I want to play that game. It's, so. it's an incredibly <laughs> good game. It has a lot of the elements that we like. It's got... Worker placement, it's got an auction mechanic, it's got tile placement, you've got your own town, but you can use other people's towns. But anyways, that that game was probably the best single game I've gotten from Kickstarter. As far as just looking at what the, like, not, not looking at the campaign or any of that, just looking at the game I got. Now, Scythe would be a close number two for me. Um, but yeah, as far as, th- so that was my best game. But as far as campaigns I missed out on, I think that, w- we had some interesting discussion, like in, just in our, our little Slack channel where we were talking to each other. And so I'm kind of interested to hear what you guys have to say about this. In fact, I think this is the part of the conversation that I was looking forward to the most is the games that we've missed out on, some of them which we've already picked up. And so I kind of want to know, um, like, what's a game or a couple games that you guys have missed out on on Kickstarter and why? And then also a secondary question, have you already picked it up? Like, did you pick it up in retail or is it worth it or can you get that game? You want yeah. to start us yeah, off? Yeah, I can start. Uh, I can start. Just Brian. Um, so I'd already missed the Arcadia, the first Arcadia Quest 
Kickstarter, but whenever I realized this was even a, good a, a game that yeah. was out there, and Simon does all their exclusives. You know, it's like in order oh, to get rough. everything. So yeah, I went and picked up the game, and then I'm like, hey, but I want all the stuff that was in the Kickstarter too. As a completionist, that was that was one of those things that I just had to like decide what did I really want, what I what did I want to part with. It's so tough with Simon games. On the back oh, end of it ne- though, you're not gonna you're gonna spend way too much yeah, four to times. Get it out. But see, here's the thing. That's something that in the past I have been kind of bummed about. But now, looking at my collection, I don't want all those things for Arcadia Quest. I probably would have culled half of the things that I I got. There's just too much for that game. And so it's actually like one of those blessings in disguises, one of those those providential things that I didn't really long-term really want all those things. But in the short term, when I found out about it, I was really bummed that I missed a thing, and now it's like, like next to, I mean, it's extremely difficult, unsurmountable yeah. to get the things that I want. Unless you want to pay like 400 bucks for like yeah. a few minis. Well, right? just to, to piggyback on that a little bit, I know we didn't want to go to a negative side of this and, and we kind of left it out, but as far as Kickstarter regret, going specifically cool mini or not, I probably went way overboard with Zombicide. I, I have more content. Specifically the Black Plague one, right? The Black Plague. I, I have more content than I'm probably ever going to be able to play I don't want to play it because I want to paint it first, and it's taking me forever to paint it. It it just it just seems like such a big money sink. Shuck, you need to finish painting it so I can play it with Man, you. Man, I can't. Like it's it's so overwhelming. Like and then I you get so caught up in the moment. That's one of those kickstarters that it was probably one of the better experiences, which is kind of why I also got caught up in the whole thing was because the the comments were fun everybody's it, really excited and like, everybody's man, really really energized nobody, about black plague there wasn't there wasn't any negativity i mean you you and it for a, as big of a kickstarter as it was both of them the green horde and the black plague i mean people were having fun in the comments it was there was a there i say that there was a little bit about one particular thing but i'm not going to go into but you just get so caught up and you're like i want to buy i want to get this that thing was where they, this they thing, like every day on. it was like and you get more stuff. And you get more stuff. So when it's like, and if you show. spend if you yeah. spend twenty dollars on this add-on, and you get more figures and more stuff because you're in, we're we're gonna give you more stretch goals and more free stuff. And oh man, like I just, I spent too much. I probably shouldn't have. I I'm not gonna ever get rid of it. But because uh, because your stuff's mostly or a lot of it's painted, and your painting is really awesome. Uh, well, like, well, I think it's too. You're not going to get it back if you get rid of it because a lot of that stuff oh, no. was exclusive to the campaign. Yeah, so. a lot of it was, and it's. I mean, it's. It was a neat experience, but it was also a good uh, lesson to learn. Yeah. What did you miss out? Did you have you missed out on any Kickstarter? Uh, mi- oh man, this one was so. This was even harder than my favorite. The one that that really hit home the most was probably Clans of Caledonia. You uh, really wanted that game. I, you talked about it on I the podcast. I really, I really wanted this game. I was backing Zombicide at the time. And this is one of those, again, I'm putting a lot of money into it. I don't want to back two at the same time because I'm, I'm trying to pull back a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it was it was one that around the time, a lot of the games that I wanted to buy, I found on Cool Stuff for like 25% off of what they were on the Kickstarters. And I was like, I'm just going to wait. It'll be cheaper on Cool Stuff. I'll get it later. Yeah. Don't worry about it. That game is not cheaper. That one is one that is it's more expensive to buy now and there was a little mini stretch goal where you got a little extra wooden bits and i think the game kind of actually needs it a little bit and you could also get the coins which are way more expensive if you want the coins now the thing is is i i'm so apprehensive to even buy it now because i don't i feel like i've lost all of that that i could have had 
And Gary so you still want to buy it. Yeah. Our, well, Gary doesn't have it. Proper Brian has yeah, it Yeah, we, we did a little trade. Proper Brian <laughs> has it. Yeah. It's but, in our group. It's in it's, our group. It's in our group, and so I, I don't. I, I don't feel the pressure to have to buy it now. Maybe, maybe you can visit it on the weekends. But I, I yeah. just... <laughs> we can have a custody <laughs> agreement. That is definitely... I get it every third weekend. <laughs> that is definitely the, the biggest missed out on to me the, just because I was... I really thought it was a good... And it is a good game. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a good game. But uh, it changed my perspective of Kickstarter in general as a whole. That, that one particular situation. Because now I don't look as, at Kickstarter as what's this this game with all the hype or this really cool game that I could get. It's what is a big enough company that is going to go to retail versus what is a game that I like that is not going to go to retail. And that's how I look at Kickstarter now. Is it a game that I'm never going to get anywhere else? And that's the only reason I'll back it. a good way to look at it. Well, Robert Brian, how about you? Um, I've got an example of, I guess, both of kind of what you posed to us. First, the one that I missed. So, after the Scythe campaign, I kind of quit watching Kickstarter. Yeah. Like I used to get on there and just kind of browse through it. I yeah. stopped doing that, and so uh, that's the reason I missed this first one. It was anachrony. <laughs> oh, you didn't get the Kickstarter of that? No. Oh. Yeah. So I, I missed that, and I remember seeing it after the fact, and going, ah, oh, I wish I had been paying attention. I would have backed that because then uh, I wanted to buy it, and you couldn't get it. Because it was at a, like they had, they had sold out of their first print run, yeah. or you know, or or whichever print one it was, I don't I don't know. But tough to so, get. So I watched way. and watched and watched until finally this is Mind Clash games. Yes, yeah. Until finally it became available again, and I immediately picked it up because, like several days after I that, it was sold out now. again. They kept selling out, yeah. and uh, so I felt fortunate that I got a chance to pick it up. And we really like this. I like this game. Yeah, a lot. I like it a lot. Yeah. I'm really glad, I'm glad that you I, have it. I'm really glad I got it. I wish I had. I wish I had backed it, uh, but I'm really glad I picked it up. But so the other game is the new editions of Brass. Yeah. Oh man, I it remember, looks so beautiful. I remember looking at those and going, "Ooh, I, I've always wanted to play Brass. I haven't gotten to play the original." I remember looking at it, going, "I really, I'd really like to do that." But this was still in the time where I was like, "I just, I'm just not backing Kickstarter games, and so I'm just not going to." So I didn't, and now it is you know popping up a lot on the the ranking engine rankings. Um, this this was one that I that I wanted to back as well, and I seriously thought you were going to back it, so mm. I didn't. <laughs> so <laughs> got a little, we got a little gamble, meta, you know, <laughs> a little meta to our shucks gambit. <laughs> and it, it's one that you can go out and find, but it's a lot more expensive. Oh, it's so much pricier mm. now. So. Yeah. Uh, because it's, I guess it's not just not widely available. And I'm assuming, you know, you kind of hope that eventually it will become that way. But as of this recording, it was it was a little over, I think it was a little over $100 to pick it up. And I was like, nope. Nah, nah. <laughs> I'll wait. I can get a whole lot of games for 100 bucks. Yeah, man. I'll wait, I'll wait. You get so, a couple good games. Anyway, so those were my two, Anachrony and Brass. So, so for me, I think um, it's going to sound... Uh, I'm excited to hear this because yeah. you said you've got a. Well, lot. yeah. I, well, I, my my uh, the one I, the one I that came to mind when we were talking about this, we were planning this episode out online was the Gallerist. I I didn't hear about the game. I want to say I was going back to my memory. I don't think I even knew about the game until shortly after the 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 game came out, and then I I remember getting excited about the game. Saying, oh man, I wish I would have been part of that. And then I played our friend Craig's copy, and I was like, I've got to get this game. I was super expensive. I ended up like winning a gift card to cool stuff. And I was like, 
I know what I'm using that on. You know, it's not my money. <laughs> and so I bought it. But I, I did chase down the couple little Kickstarter exclusives. They weren't huge, not game changing, but they only cost me like 15 or 20 bucks. Not that big a deal. And then I, I also wanted to get in on um, the other Eagle Griffin and Vital Serta and Ian O'Toole, this kind of trifecta. Like this great publisher, great designer, great artist. He also did, uh, he, he redid Vi um, Vinyos and he also did Lisboa. And I had actually somehow, I guess, missed uh, the Vinyos campaign. I believe it was I almost, I didn't back it just because like, I think I just already bought another couple other games. I was like, just don't have the money for it. And then Lisboa had happened in um, in December and that's a tough month and you got kids. And I was like, man, I, I had actually was, I was backing it. I was going to sign copy and everything. And I was like, you know what, man, I got other like family and friends to spend money on for so Christmas. You know? Vin Vinyos was another one that I was thinking yeah. of, I missed out on one. Cause I didn't even know it was a Kickstarter. Yeah. Like I, I did, it just well, went by me. I think for whatever, I can't remember if I missed that one or I just, the, it was, it, they're expensive games. My point, so I think all three of those would be, cause I ended up picking them all up in retail. That be said, those, those were games that like, I love that designer. So I guess I'd kind of group all those three of those together, but primarily uh, the gallerist, cause that kind of turned me on to, to him as a designer. And so, yeah, but I ended up picking it up. So I, I don't really think I have a Kickstarter that I've just missed out on that. I decided that uh, I really, really wish I had. I think most of them, if I didn't get it, and I, I kind of learned to just live without it. You know, I, I didn't have it before, and I'm okay without it now. So I, I can't think of one I just missed and can't get. Yeah, I think I could put the gallerist on my list of ones I wish I had, but I, I didn't know it was on Kickstarter either at, at that point in time, but uh, I I like that game. But I did back Escape Plan because I didn't want to miss out yeah. on that one, and I went back on Mars. I think I Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, put, yeah. I put the gallerist on the game that I – Love Gary having so that I can play it. Oh, hey man, <laughs> I, I want to play that game a lot. So you you call me up any day you want. We'll we'll try to make it work. We need to play that again. Yeah. Oh, totally. Okay. So so I guess um, let's talk about I guess one last thing before we kind of close this up. Of all our Kickstarter purchases, do we know which one is our most played? Like which campaign might be the game that you've got the most mileage out of? So basically, I, I've backed a lot of little games, and so I've I've played several of them about equally. But I think the one that I've played the most and it's one of the older ones that i backed has got to be pairs i've Good played game. i have played pairs a lot uh with family and friends it's just an easy quick game uh, we we played it while we were eating dinner on you our criticon trip two player uh, I mean, once yeah and it's, it's even fun at two player believe it's it or just, not i loved it it's just it. a good game um, it was a really good game <laughs> i so it's it's got to be the number one for me. Okay, um, definitely. So you played it a lot. We have still yet to take that to a pub. Oh, we need to do that. So loser buys rounds. Like that's still yes. like the thing oh, we want to do. Totally. Our oh. bar is open in barley hoppers now. Our bar is in our so I'm sorry, hoppers. we're totally talking about only Abilene only stuff. Yeah, get, come to First Street, yeah, place pairs. But if you're in Abilene, uh, let bar, it, hit us up. Hoppers. We'll take you to our bar. <laughs> so proper Brian, uh, man, uh, what? What what would you say is your most played Kickstarter purchase? Probably it's one of my older ones that um, I have since called actually, and it's because it's a game that is so 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 quick to play, uh, and that's Dungeon Roll. I don't know if you guys yeah, I remember, uh, that, remember that game. Uh, is it the one that came in a treasure chest? Yes, that's, that's a cool little game. That, that was the reason I backed that game was the the cool box it came in and all the dice. Totally, I get um, that. That was that was one of the first watch it played videos I ever watched. It was and it, it was oh man, that's some nostalgia there. I, I I'm pretty sure it was one of his. I remember <laughs> having a game that were that's all we played was 
uh, me and another guy, it was just two of us. But in that game night, we probably got to play it like 10 times. Time out. I'm going to say, look how far your two-player game nights have come. Yeah. From Dungeon Roll to Twilight Struggle. Well, but, and that's, I think, say. so that's something to say about Kickstarter, too, is I don't, I, I'm not trying to be snobbish, but I, I don't know if I would play that game again. I was excited about it because I backed it, and so I, I wanted to like it a lot, and I wanted to play it, but the more I played it, the more I realized, eh, I mean, it, it's an okay, you know, it's an okay filler game, but it's not something I really want. Anyway, but I ended up getting to play it a lot. What about what about you, just Brian? Well, I'm I'm gonna sound like a broken record. Uh, everything I said tonight is Zaya, but it's it's probably because with Zaya, not only have I introduced it to a lot of people, we play tested. Yeah, you play tested it. You have a reason second, for this. Second or the first expansion, the Embers uh, of Forsaken Star. Yeah. We did a little bit of it, but then I had another group here. You played a we lot just, of it. We just play tested the the crap out of that first expansion and so that's the reason why i've probably played that game more than any and other there's nothing wrong with that i mean you i always like talking about zaya because number one it's a good game i enjoy playing what's crazy zaya, is but you love it because of your experience yeah, but it, it's what's enriched your game when i think about like how many times i've actually just sat down and played it on a game night it's very little most of my play on it was the play testing and when it yeah. first came out and with a certain group of people here in town that just like it, I probably played it only three times total on a on a game night where we're like sitting around saying, "Hey, do you, what game do y'all want to play?" Yeah, really. The rest of the time, I've just played Let, it a lot for that. other reasons. You know? Let's fix that. I, I think looking at my because uh, I, I kind of like log. I've been logging plays for a couple of years now, so as best I can tell, the one I've played the most was uh, Coup Rebellion, and. And that was mainly because oh, I got that game. Fantastic game. Yeah, it's a great game. And it, it takes a coup game and then adds a lot of varieties yeah, and gives you a little bit. You got me yeah. Coup Rebellion yeah. once as a gift. Yeah. And it is like, it's still one of my top games. Well, my my kids love it. Grace, my, my oldest daughter, loves it. Um, I have some family that like it. I have a niece that, you know, would, would ask for it. And so it got played a lot. And because. It's got some variety, and the Kickstarter, I think, came with a couple extra rolls. I, I don't think it's a huge difference from the, the retail version. I love the game. It's not like one of my favorite games, but, I mean, if you say, hey, let's play Coup Rebellion, it only takes 15 minutes or so, so, I'll, yeah, I'll play it. Is that, is that Coup Reformation? Or is no, it no, Coup no, Rebellion? No, it's Rebellion. They, it's the G. There was a Reformation version of it, right? There was a, there was so a version that was an alternate art version of it. Yeah, I thought you, no, I think there, you're there are two different versions. There, I think the the one that Proper Brian's talking about was like an expansion to Coup. Yeah, yeah. it was. Okay, and then okay. yours yours was a separate Kickstarter yeah. from Coup. Yeah, I, well, it wasn't they, originally called Coup Rebellion. It was originally called G54 like G54. Oh, I remember that one. I yeah. think and they, then changed, they changed it to Rebellion. Well, Did they change some rules or something? I'll, surely the, they. What it know. is is you've got way more roles, and so instead of like the set five roles or whatever, is there's five in the original. Okay, you there's five roles always, but now you've got like 25 and if you i actually got the kickstarter expansion it's like a mix and match it was like game. 10 bucks you know i threw it in there and uh yeah so now i have like 30 or 35 rolls that i yeah. can just open it up and we can go okay you know we use the formula you gotta have two of this type one of this and and you you end up building your little custom rules and rolls for coup and so the cool thing is there's variety actually it was like my youngest daughter like found like a what for us at least was kind of like this broken like role where she was like manipulating everyone all the time. We're like we we you can no longer play this game with with this role because 
it's broken. You win every time, and an eight-year-old shouldn't win every time. So that's the one for me, if I have to say, the game I played the most. Is there any Kuru. upcoming Kickstarters that you guys are excited about? Yeah. I, I kind of already spoiled mine. It's got to be Penny Press expansion. Penny Pre- yeah. Man, I, here's the thing. I'm counting on you to get Penny Press but No pressure. Well, they, they've <laughs> specifically, like, they called out in the email, they, it is not going to retail. Okay. This is the only way that you can get the expansion. And I mean, it's I, nice I, of them to do I'll that. I'll pay shipping on you to, for you to get. So speaking of Penny Press expansion, uh, speaking of uh, uh, expansions, bef- before we move on, I, I have an interesting stat that kind of shocked me a little bit. Oh so yeah. I was, oh yeah. I want to hear this. You, you mentioned this, but I, I can't remember the exact number. So I, I went through my collection and just kind of compiled a couple extra little miscellaneous stats. Uh, one thing that was interesting was about half my collection that I have right now are Kickstarter games, uh, which surprised me. I didn't realize I had quite that uh, many. I forgot about that. Um, the About a fifth of those I bought through retail. I didn't actually kickstart, but they were Kickstarter games. But the more sh- shocking stat, about two-thirds of those are expansions. I mean, it's just like that. Like, I get... The, that seems to be the majority of my purchases now on Kickstarter are a game that I backed three years ago that I'm getting an email saying, hey, we're getting a, we're doing a, an expansion. You want to buy one? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'll never play it. Like in the nine or ten, like fifteen dollars, nine ninety nine or something. Like a lot of those card games, it's so easy to go. Oh, it's only like seven ninety nine yeah. or nine ninety nine. Click. Yeah, I've done yeah. that. So All right. So, next? so proper Brian, what would what would you say? As much as I haven't been on Kickstarter recently or backing games on Kickstarter, all of a sudden there's like kind of several games that I'm like, ooh. I'm, excited about that one of them is an expansion that's the anachrony expansion that's coming what and i too am counting on you to buy this, this so i can this play expansion? it yeah there yeah it's a do, do you know what it's what like the content's gonna be uh stop asking him questions <laughs> he's gonna buy it anyways don't make him doubt his purchase <laughs> no i'm like no, to play I'm, this. I'm curious like i want to know what this is they're gonna add more more content so more um more like buildings and stuff like that but they're also but they're also going to add some additional mechanics and I think an, another worker type. Anyway, so I'm excited about that if one. If you buy it, Gary will but, play it. <laughs> but the second one that I'm going to back, I'm pretty sure. We'll see. I'm, I always want to look at it more in depth when it actually comes to Kickstarter is On Mars. And that's another Eagle Griffin, Vital Asserta, you know, tool combo game. But here's the thing. I found that game because Gary happened to post today about the Age of Steam Kickstarter that, that yeah. went up. And at the very bottom of their Kickstarter page, it says, hey, coming in April, it's on Mars. I'm like, I didn't know that game existed, and I want that game more than I want Age of Steam. So sorry, Age of Steam, I'm not backing you, but I'll back <laughs> that this game coming. almost kind of backfired on them a little <laughs> right. bit. So, well, they're going to get your money regardless, but yeah. just not on, on, they'll have to wait a month. What about you, so, I kind of want to back Age of Steam, and mm-hmm. then I... I too think if I can, you know, look, I, we all have finite amounts of money, right? I mean, you know, I these these Eagle Griffin games. I love the Kickstarters you're doing, but they're expensive. They're not cheap games. All the time you add shipping and whatnot, and so I really, realistically, I feel like I should only do one. And so, yeah, I think I'm gonna have to agree with uh, Proper Brian. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with On Mars. I really want the Age of Steam one, but um, man, I, I think I can. I'll be able to pick that one up at some point Man, in the future. You, you put the designer-artist combo on that one, and I'm I'm all on board, too. Yeah. I'll play. Um, I hate to be like a fanboy for anyone, but like those Eagle Griffins, the production quality of their last few Kickstarter games has been off the charts. I really like Lacerda. 
you know, Tool's got really good, clean-looking art. I mean, I, I don't know what's not to like about it for me, um, unless I look at the rules and it's horrible. But, I mean, this is a game that Lacerda's been designing probably for a couple of years. I think it's a passion project of his. I won't talk anymore about it. I'm probably going to back it. So shut up and take my money, you know. <laughs> How about you, Just Brian? Well, I've been talking about these for a while. In fact, I have money stashed away in one of my game oh. boxes that I've been saving. It's burning a hole in my game box, but it's the Madeira Jungwo Kickstarter from What's Your Game that they've been promising for a year now, yeah. and I've had this money. We're supposed to go live in July. I'm ready year. to throw it at them. Well, so here's another thing that I'm, I'm, I'm happy about, and here's another reason why I don't like Kickstarter is I didn't find out about the Kickstarter until after it was supposed to launch. Yeah. And I'm just fortunate that it was delayed, or I would have missed out on Jongwo the second time and, and Madeira, which you can't get. So that's why I'm waiting for the Kickstarter. I would be yeah. happy with the first edition. In fact, I would probably go out and go ahead and buy them because they're not too badly priced right now for first edition. But knowing second edition is on the horizon, yeah. there's really no reason to do that. So I have been saving money, not buying games, but being on buying Man. freeze just so I can back this which hasn't been announced like they just keep telling us every month soon. yeah that, that's one of those things too that kickstarter seems to be good at lately is doing second editions like yeah it, mm -hmm. and and it's one of those where when you know a second edition's coming out you don't want to get the first one because they've got to improve things on yeah it. Oh, i mean man. it's whether it's the artwork or the rules or fixing little yeah. you know things that that's exactly what happened with eclipse eclipse like the second edition is a more rounded version of what first edition plus expansions brought, but it kind of really cut the fat, but brought in some of the expansion what? stuff. And that's, that's a that's, I mean, that's no. exactly what Kickstarter well, even, is doing. Even, even going back to, I mean, we talked about agents a while back. I guess that's what all second editions do, the, right? They, they cut the fat and make it better. At the big, at the beginning of the show, we were talking about the agents. I mean, so I backed both agents and, and the return Mark two and the second Kickstarter, they actually completely redid everything, fixed some of the, production quality is some of the rules things like that so i mean he he did like his own little free second edition almost which was kind of unheard of i mean you don't see some things like that people usually are not that kind in their kickstarters but yeah i mean how, how can you not back the second edition when you know it's it's tough i don't i'm i i think we can keep talking about it i will say in line with what shark said i just now thought of a couple games that I've had the first edition that I bought. It was unplayed, and the second edition came out on Kickstarter. Oh. And I was a little, like, I was frustrated. I was like, number one, you know, I, I don't want to spend 60 bucks on a game when I have the first edition that I haven't played. And I know gameplay-wise, it's the same. Like, I can get, a, get online and get an FAQ and write in my rule book and update one or two rules. Uh, but, yeah, I've, I've had that problem so a here, couple here's, times. Here's another thing that we've talked about uh, the last episode, keeping up with the Joneses and things like that and trying to get this backlog of games that we've, you know, old games. You know, there's the vassal law that everybody always talks about where a game that's good is going to be reprinted. Not uh, I mean, Unless you're Russian Railroads, thank you very oh much. My gosh. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, that game needs to be yeah. reprinted so um, bad. Uh, but, I mean, in general... Man, don't how can you say don't in anything waste, without Russian railroads? Don't don't go out there and spend a ton of money on an old game because it's very likely that it's going to be reprinted as a second edition and it's going to be better than it was the first time. Except for Russian railroads. Except, stop it. <laughs> when, <laughs> when it when it comes to Kickstarter, one day um, I'll, or, I'll cry. I'll, yeah, I'll cry a tear. I guess you know I, I think. 
Kickstarter is, is huge in the gaming community, and I think we could probably keep talking about this for a long time. But I think we're I, gonna, let's try to draw this to a close. Yeah, just no, say? it's just interesting that I think I've heard multiple, multiple times. Oh, it's a fad. It's gonna fade. It's gonna, yeah. you know, it's gonna. And it's, no, it's not. It has not. It's it's, it's shown be around that it's, for a while. It has staying power. Now I, I will say that I think Kickstarter may have saturated a bit, especially with the amount of people that are going to Kickstarter. It, it almost seems like the big publishers are the ones to pay attention to nowadays. Like yeah. the, the little indie guys aren't quite as prevalent as they used to be. Well, think about it just now. We've mentioned a couple of times some Eagle Griffin games. They're the ones doing Age of Steam. We've talked about on Mars. They're a company that really probably doesn't need it. I mean, they're a traditional publisher. They've been around for years. They use it as a as a glorified pre-order system. Just because right? you don't need it, though, it's still a good yeah. business no, practice. And like, you know, but Chuck so. just mentioned though, but there are times where I kind of miss, like what Chuck was talking about earlier on, like where when we first talked started this uh, topic, it used to be just like, hey, I've good, I got a good idea, but well, I don't yeah, have a publisher. Let me go to Kickstarter. We're always going to be drawn know. to that grassroots thing, right? Yeah. Like that's always like the story oh, yeah. we want to see happen, and so that's exciting yeah, to the us. Whole, the underdog, but yeah, let's, succeed. The whole marketplace of ideas, and the best idea comes forward and gets funded. But right? let's be honest, something like this couldn't exist without somebody smart coming up and saying we're gonna we're gonna take advantage of it. And I think they have every they should. So I don't I don't ever want to like assume that we're taking the high road by missing the old days of the nostalgia because without Kickstarter, we wouldn't have the opportunity to get the games that we want because these publishers wouldn't, Where is what would, I'm trying to say. Their resources are, are able to be more refined and more focused through Kickstarter. Therefore, we can get different things I mean, in where front would, of us. Where would, uh, where would Brian Lockett or Stonemeyer Games be if yeah. it weren't for Kickstarter? To just Brian's point, I feel like the the big guys being in there hasn't necessarily hurt the the little guys. I mean, I'm not no. in it, but here's the thing: early on, like those games were funding for like twelve thousand dollars, twenty thousand yeah. dollars. I remember when it was like a big deal to fund for small smaller amounts of money. The, like, so what oh you're seeing, gosh, so what yeah. you're seeing now is these big companies coming in and funding for giant amounts of money. But the little guys, I think, I feel like are still. Being able to fund, you know, they're, they're riding just, they're the, just, the wave. They're just not, you know, they don't have the audience that some of those bigger publishers. So their numbers aren't as big, but I, I still feel like it's still a good place for a an indie publisher to go with their game. Like they can still find an audience there. Definitely. Well, I guess uh, you guys want to go ahead and kind of close off our for now. We may we may have the Kickstarter episode 2.0 at some point in the future. <laughs> One thing I would like to point out is. Uh, we we'd really like to hear from anyone you know all all five people listening to this we would love to hear uh topic ideas from you guys so if you want to shoot us an email pubmeeple@gmail.com or, or find us on instagram or at, at pubmeeple or on twitter on at pubmeeple just uh send us your topic ideas or, or any feedback you have if you do like the show you know hey hey mom can you go can you go ahead and um and you can do an iTunes review or, or, or just, just anything. Or recommend it to somebody. We'd, we'd really like to try to, to kind of grow our audience, you know, for people who have listened for a little while maybe. Uh, we're trying to become a little bit more uh, regular as far as our really schedule. Um, man, it's, it's really tough for us because we're all really busy guys and family guys, but uh, we're trying to work on that. And, uh, and then and, and to, to speak to that, we've actually um, put our attention back on some YouTube content. Uh, just Brian's got some really cool videos on there. 
check out our date night videos. Um, is it, that's what we're that's what they're called, correct? Tell us a little bit about this. Real yeah, quick. we got we got two different things that we're doing right now, and they kind of go together. We have a rule books video that Shuck actually started the concept and gave us a pilot for, and then I just kind of took it and ran, and he's helping me write the scripts for. And it's basically the most concise way we can explain some games. Right now we have two up. We're going to have a third one up this month before uh, probably this podcast posts. And then we also have to go with that. My wife and I are playing. We play the same game over and over and over for about six weeks, and then we film a two-player game night called Date Night. And it's the same game we happen to do the rulebooks video on. So they kind of go together yeah, that way. Yeah. Um, we are to a point where we can't make that monthly anymore. If you do your math, yeah, we, we date for six weeks, and now Just we're kind of we're kind of caught up to that. Now we were getting them out the last three months, but that's because we had a backlog. Yeah. We started it last year, but now we're kind of up to uh, filming the same month we're releasing. So it's going to be a little bit more weight in between. But a couple new things we're trying. Our yeah. YouTube channel has been mostly known for prototyping and playtesting stuff and not really for reviews and playthroughs. And so we're, we're kind of experimenting with some new things. So the, the idea behind the rule books was, uh, can we explain a game in five minutes or in less, basically? And how, how quickly can you and concisely explain a game without getting a bunch of you know bloat to the video? We, we want a quick video. Yeah. Right now they're two to right now the longest one is four and a half minutes and yeah, I think exactly. the the shortest one is about two and a half minutes. Fortunately, they're, they're all cool shorter. Videos. They're all shorter games, but we've kind of taken some beats from Paul Grogan's videos and how he does a really good job with explanation and and visuals. Some of the inspiration I had, uh, Bearded Meeple. If you haven't checked him out, uh, that's shout right. He out. was also another. He, he does really great short yeah. explanations. Uh, also, uh, 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 Game Boy Geeks uh, Allegro videos. Allegro are, videos. Are I really like kind of reviews. another. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and uh, Rules Girl, I think, does pretty good short videos yeah. as well. So this is kind of along that line. Yeah. And yeah. we're just trying to trying our hand at it, and we think these guys that are already doing it are doing a fantastic job. I hope that we can get some more complex games in there as well. So well, so, so please check that out. If that's something that you're interested in, check it out. And also, if if you if you watch it and think, hey man. Here's a great two-player game they ought to try. You know, send us a message. Yeah, Leave we're a comment on that. YouTube. We're open to that. Um, we're open to that kind of thing. If there's a if there's a, a game you think if you watch a video and you think I kind of want someone to do a rules video on it, shoot us a message. You know, we might be able to do it. Usually depends uh, if we own the game. Yeah, if we own the game, uh, <laughs> send us a game. We'll do a video for you no matter what. <laughs> That's right. Um, but no, no, uh, we we just really want to kind of try to make. We want to reach out to you guys. And, and see what you guys want, what kind of content you'd like us to produce. Because we want to produce content that people want to listen to or watch. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, reach out to us at, at PubMeeple on Twitter or, or Instagram or uh, PubMeeple at gmail.com. And as always, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Uh, man, this is great. I always enjoy getting mm. together with you guys, and uh, we always have a good time. Ciao. What do you want me to say? <laughs> Those beers were strong. <laughs> very large biceps. <laughs> what did I miss out on? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that group of ninjas we had to, to fight while leaving leaving the podcast last time was brutal. We could have used a fourth guy. Yeah, thanks you know, a lot. You know, <laughs> proper Rod had to kill two men with his bare hands just, just to survive. We could have used you. <laughs> Apparently, told you a street fight with a gang of Mexican ninjas. I mean, apparently Mexican. there were biceps involved. I don't understand. I don't, what are we talking about now? I've I've tracked the whole conversation. It's brilliant because I think you guys got lost. I don't that even was hilarious. know.